Dancing in the apocalypse! I gotta get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle! I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Maximum Film. This is episode 221, and we'll be discussing Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So, you notice my voice is not Mr. Ify Wadaway's voice, and that is because he is not here. And he's not here for just dumb reasons that I like to bug him and mock him about over text. But fear not, he will be back in the future. But don't worry, right next to me, I have my main guy... I have no nickname for him, just the guy, Alonzo Duralde. What's good? Oh, Drea, you know, this is that time of year where I just don't want to hear anybody pretending that we're not talking about Christmas because we're talking about Christmas. It's the, the day after Thanksgiving. All bets are off. All gates are open. Um, and uh, I wanted to just mention that's very exciting that uh, Christmas Crunch is back in the store, which is, of course, the Captain Crunch Christmas variety they do every year. It's like Crunch Berries, but the berries are little red and green trees. And this year, just to really push it even further the whole box is designed to look like an ugly christmas sweater bravo captain crunch you've done it again way to get your brand marketing on point okay is that one of those um cereals where they give you different colored things they all taste the same do the green oh, yeah. or the red oh, taste any different than uh, like no no the... completely completely identical it's 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 a fruit loop situation where like yeah, <laughs> the color is completely irrelevant they just all have that flavor and you're good to go a Fruit Loops conundrum. That's what I was looking for. Yes, that's okay. my favorite uh, 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 Robert Ludlum novel, The Fruit Loops Conundrum. <laughs> it's classics. A classic airport buy for dads everywhere. <laughs> um, all right. We have a very exciting special guest. He does not know this, but I've been reading his work for years. I found him on Tumblr a Ooh. good decade ago, even though I am ageless and could barely read at that point. <laughs> he is TV writer and host of the podcast, Yo, Is This Racist? Andrew T., what's good? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I, I just wanted to say I was a little worried I was fully stepping in for Iffy, and so I was prepared to deadlift 5,000 pounds and eat ass <laughs> on air. So, Can we see uh, your thighs, Andrew? Is that yeah, just, uh, exactly. Okay. You, can, you can see them from here, even though I'm being shot from the, <laughs> the chest up. Um, uh, what's good for me is I, I just, uh, without being too, like, spawn conny. Um, I, I, uh, we just got a sponsor, uh, like this, uh, thing called lettuce grow. Um, and I'm, I, I harvested my first lettuce today and I'm losing Ooh. my mind. I had, I had a salad, uh, that was, um, mostly this company's doing, but I, I'm taking credit for it. It was delicious. I feel so, so amped. Are those the horizontal like yeah. growing pod things? It looks like it looks like a food pod. It looks like um yeah, like like something that maybe would be in Star Wars or like a bad Star Wars. Just oh, sort good. of like <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Did you feel connected to the earth having brought this plant into fruition? So even even better, it's hydroponic. So it oh. is like I feel like connected. It's like it feels like magic cuz it's just like <laughs> these like floating watery things. I thought you were going to say you felt connected to water and not earth. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very, I'm very elemental. No, I, yes. I, I, it, it looks like aliens designed it. Um, and it feels more like that. It feels like I, I, a little magic happened. 
So I hope you took a lot of pictures and then just kept texting them to people and saying like, oh, the nutrient rich it is got deep into it. I'm becoming I'm becoming that dude, I think. But no, yeah. it was really I, I'm like such a I'm so bad at gardening in general. I just like <laughs> kill the fuck out of everything that crosses the threshold of my attention and now you're hashtag cruciferous yeah exactly (laughs) i feel i feel amazing for now we'll see we'll see how long i can keep it alive drea what's good thank you thank you alonso so this is this episode is coming out um it is thanksgiving time and people have their families around maybe or your cats if you're some of us and I just want you to be able to give them information. So I'm passing along information that I just learned. This might be something everybody knows, but the joy this one dumb thing gave me, I just found out this week that I, so I have like a a former Sprint T-Mobile plan and the only people that call me are Scam Likely Mm. and Scam Likely calls me many times a day. T-Mobile has a free thing where you can block all scam likelies. You just call um, hashtag or pound sign if you're old hashtag 662 hashtag to activate it and they block all scam likelies. Wow. So now no one calls me anymore, but I feel great if you have any older relatives around, maybe more prone to getting sucked into those scams. Get their phone from them. Do a little uh, protection. I, I don't know how I would get through the day without five voicemails telling me that uh, I need to really renew my car warranty. But, you know. Sure. My car warranty, <laughs> my uh, social security has been frozen by the oh, right, police yes. or yes, something. Yes, like, that's, always a, that, that's one of the great hits. That's yes. not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, do what you can. Educate your elders. And uh Make it so that nobody calls you ever again, which is apparently (laughs) all I am aiming to do. So on today's show, we are discussing the old slash new Marvel movie, Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. I wanted to give him six rings right there, but it's actually ten. Plus, we are going to hear from the Christmas Zaddy in the Christmas Zaddy Christmas Movie Minute. And then, of course, we will have staff picks. But... To get things going, it is that time of year. It is the day after Thanksgiving, which means we must anoint the official maximum film turkeys of the year. This can be an actor, a movie, an organization, a trend. It is anything we consider a dud or simply did not live up to its full potential. For example, Ify Wadaway not being here for our (laughs) Thanksgiving episode is an effing turkey. So... There's no limit on the number of turkey titles we can hand out. And with that being said, let us begin with the canonical labeling of turkeys of the year. Alonzo, sir, would you like to begin? Oh, sure. Um, This falls under the category of I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. Uh, I think this person uh, has done some great work in the past and and will continue to do so in the future. But just the confluence of all the things that made 2021 2021 uh, just served up a heap and helping of real annoying mediocrity uh, and th- that would be ryan reynolds um just looking back on the year he subjected us to the hitman's wife's bodyguard free guy and red notice 
and they're all awful. And they're part of what makes all of them awful is that Ryan Reynolds, who has over the course of his career, if you'll think back to things like Buried and whatnot, has been capable of all kinds of performances and all kinds of genres. But the success of Deadpool seems to have ossified him in this place of snarky, quippy, self-aware, one-liner guy. And um, it's like with any catchphrase, it gets old really fast. And so I want to see Ryan Reynolds expand his scope. I want to see different things from him. He does the, the quippy thing well when, when he's feeling it, but it's starting to feel like it's a little forced and phoned in. And so uh, I'm just putting him on notice that uh, things need to get better. That's a nice criticism. You just want more from him. Yes. Yes. I know you're capable of it. Yeah, that's fair. Andrew, you got a turkey for us. I I do. I, um, I, I, this is maybe, I, I think my expectations were already low going into it, but, um, and I don't even think necessarily in a vacuum, it's like a bad film exactly, but, um, the French dispatch, uh, Wes Anderson's, uh, Wes Anderson being exactly Wes Anderson, or some, some might say more Wes Anderson than ever, but <laughs> it, it was a, it's a, it's a, so it's his latest movie and it's, um, told in three vignettes, uh, and it's sort of like a tale of a fictionalized New Yorker type, but set in France, uh, sort of, I guess, old timey magazines and literary world. And it is just a thing that is like, after the last, especially after the last two years we've had, uh, the vignettes are in order about a prisoner, a protester, and a cop. And if we've ever needed, we've we've never needed Wes Anderson's specific take on those three <laughs> topics less than maybe right this second. <laughs> They're not even like had this movie come out like five years ago. I think it would be much less like a weird wasted opportunity cost. Um, so sort of maybe similarly, I think Wes Anderson is a little bit of a guilty pleasure because I think he's his, his type of aggressive whiteness has finally broken me. Uh, but <laughs> um, yeah, it is just like, I, I really want him to maybe direct something he didn't write. I don't know if see him like working with the perspective of a person of color would be better or worse, probably worse, but just like maybe like get get a writer in the mix because I think it's like like his his thoughts. Oh, you think about- you think Roman Coppola is not a uh, <laughs> no, diverse yeah. enough? Co-writer? Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, I but yeah, it's like it's like yeah, maybe get someone who didn't ever have a trust fund. Just start it out there. Just start it out there. Maybe maybe just another, even a different type of white person. <laughs> just expand your whiteness first, yeah, yeah. baby steps. But yeah, that that I don't know what I was thinking because I I probably knew what I was getting into when I went and watched that movie, but it was it was actually worse than I thought it was as far as like, why now the why now of it was like sure. really, really damning. Um, my first Turkey is, I was going to say, Oh, it ties in cause it's a why now, but no, it's a why ever because it was such a misstep. And that is Sia just doing the entire autism community wrong with oh, the movie right. music that she mm. directed. And again, talk about more of a, I'm disappointed, not angry, because I think she is a remarkable musician. She's a remarkable writer. I would love to see a movie 
with her perspective and just whole POV and ethos in it. And the fact that she did something that felt so ableist to the community it purported to represent. And then she just responded in such a dumb way to it of just doubling down and all of that. And that to me is just a turkey move. I mean, you have your Sia, you have money and contacts and access and you have all this at your fingertips of what you can do. And I can see a defensive reaction. I can be a defensive gal myself, but woof, that just thud, like real turkey thud. That's the sound turkeys make, yes? <laughs> well, we'll go, sure, we'll go with that. Why not? Do you grow turkeys in your hydroponics, Andrew? Uh, is no, that what, what they I, do? What I, I, I'm going to say now, though, is um, uh, for Thanksgiving, um, the I will... Th- Turkeys are another of my turkeys of the year, of every year. Uh, this is this is a pitch. It's coming too late for most people, but consider it uh, for next year. Um, a capon, which is a gelded rooster. Uh, so it's a chicken that can. Uh, I've gotten them as big as twelve pounds before. Um, you know, it gets gets all big and plump because of the uh, lack of testosterone. I guess it's the same thing that happens to uh, you know your your Varys in Game of Thrones sort of eunuchs. The absence of desire leaves one free to pursue other things. Um, <laughs> it is vastly superior to a turkey in every way. It is only slightly smaller. It's a big old humongous chicken. It's easier to cook. Tastes better. Um, Fuck turkeys, capons forever. <laughs> oh my god, I'm never gonna get over that Varus comparison. <laughs> Next Thanksgiving, consider consider the castrati of the chicken. I'm world. just saying, <laughs> if you're gonna eat someone in Game of Thrones, it's Varus. That's fair. Yeah, he looks delicious. <laughs> um, Alonzo, any other movie related turkeys? I have one, which is weird because. I like most of the movies that fall under this umbrella, but as a trend, I'm against it, and I want us to sort of pull back on it. And that is the authorized documentary. Uh, I think in the last decade, and especially in the last couple of years, they seem to be just coming fast and furious. There's this whole school of documentary, which is usually involving a living celebrity or very much in tune with the celebrity's estate. And in exchange for access to like song rights and film rights and, you know, letters and photographs and personal, you know, effects that that really build up the story, you get the sense that the subject of the documentary has a lot of say in what gets included and what doesn't. And I've seen this in political documentaries and documentaries about singers and actors and all that kind of thing. And often, yeah, these movies in and of themselves on an individual basis are entertaining. They're informative. You get to see amazing stuff you've never seen before. Perspectives you haven't heard before. You get to remember like all these, you know, the great work that they've, they've accomplished. But I think over Overall, it's bad for documentaries because I think that it limits the kind of journalistic angle that a, a good documentary can have where they can be warts and all. And they can say like, you know, yes, famous person says A, but, you know, person, famous person allegedly crossed says B, you know, and and, and we don't get the B anymore. And so I, I, I'm just worried that this strain of documentary filmmaking is going to continue because it does allow for, you know, audiences to get up close and personal with these celebrities that they like, but it's all on that celebrity's terms. 
And it's like the filmmakers don't remember this is a subgenre made famous by Lenny Riefenstahl, <laughs> Hitler's documentarian, and yeah. possibly nice there piece. are other yeah there are other directors to emulate. Yeah, um, I I that just reminded me of the biopic version of that, and the one I remember most clearly is uh, Straight Outta Compton, where uh, you know the, many many uh, members of NWA were executive producers at that, and my favorite part is the scene where the character of Dr. Dre all but looks down the camera and denies knowing what Suge Knight was up right. to. Right. <laughs> it is incredible stuff. It's like, oh, I don't know what Suge gets up to. It could I'm be not, anything. I'm I not don't. culpable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Um, I will say the the one other moment that I definitely mentioned on this show, but I'm bringing up again, is in the motion picture, Malcolm and Marie. <laughs> I knew it was directed by a man because it is Thanksgiving week. <laughs> there is an right. There is an entire scene in Malcolm and Marie where she comes. They come home from a long night out in black tie, and she has on heels and nylons. You know, like every woman wears nylons now. And they show her peeing, and then in her own home where she's going to go cook mac and cheese. She puts back on her heels. And I just want you to know, I think of that so often. I'm regularly like, no, no. Was there not a woman on set? Come on, Zendaya. Tell them you won't wear the heels again. Nobody would put the heels back on. And it's not even like those, you know, marabou trimmed kind that you would have for around oh, the house. Oh, sure, you your know. kicky kitten heels. Also, <laughs> you're already taller than your leading man. Like, what is happening? <laughs> oh, my I'm, God. Uh, if I may, and this is a, the opposite of a turkey, although I can, I can give a turkey to the... Um, the the concept but zendaya reminded me that uh I, i'm guessing i'll be one of the few guests that can say this uh the show which is that um i hate um when you know non-chinese speakers speak like phonetic chinese in movies or like just spell out the anglicized version and like you know but the non-turkey is and this is also uh if he shout me channeling if shouting out his close personal friend um <laughs> timothy chalamet's one line of chinese in dune is by far the best white guy chinese i have ever heard on, on uh, shocking we western film like um, by, I'm amazed. by far um, that is good. Look at look at you sneaking in an anti-turkey. Yeah. <laughs> You're just it's so better, benevolent. Better than I, I, John Cena's is pretty good, but he's been working on it. But uh, I think he's a little better to the point where it don't don't correct me on this. I do suspect there's a chance it was overdubbed by a native Chinese speaker. Are, are you talking about John? Good. Is this John Cena's line in the movie or John Cena apologizing no. for uh, the time? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. That, <laughs> but no, the, the Timothy Chalamet, I was like. That is like two, I've confirmed this with two separate uh, Chinese speakers. We all turned to the people in the theater like, that was the best Chinese. <laughs> I'm, you I'm assuming what made you think of that is how I pronounced Shang-Chi. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a little partial alley-oop credit for, for your anti-Turkey. And I'll own that. All right. So we'll close this out. I do want to say, obviously, and I'll speak for Alonzo, Ify and Casey, the biggest turkey of 2021 is that our beloved unofficial biopic of Celine Dion, Aileen, 
is not being released until 2022. I know. Alas, How can they do this to us? I don't know, but it's coming out Come in January. <laughs> and now we have something to look forward to. Yes. Um. So, yes. Um, all right, we are going to take a break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road and you get annual checkups and go to the gym and work on your muscles to maintain physical wellness and prevent injury. And people should really feel good about putting the same time and care into looking out for and maintaining their mental health. I think if you are someone who struggles, you're certainly aware of it and you deserve that outlet. But also if you don't think of what you're dealing with as big or traumatic, but it's weighing on you, you don't need that. And taking care of your mental health is key to living the best life you can be living and also maybe making it better and easier as you move forward. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with a therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It can be more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist within 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Maximum Film listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash MaxFilm. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash M-A-X-F-I-L-M. Do you sometimes wonder whatever happened to the kids at your school who really loved Star Trek? You might remember a kid like me, the one who read the Star Trek novels and built starship models. I also took music classes to avoid taking gym classes that required showering after, but I don't see what that really has to do with- Or a kid like me. I introduced myself to kids at my summer camp one year as Wesley, but when the school year started and some of those kids were in my new class, I actually had to explain to my friends that I had tried to take on the identity of my favorite Star Trek character. The shame haunts me to this day. I'm sure some of those Star Trek fans from your childhood grew up to have interesting and productive lives, but we ended up being podcasters. On The Greatest Discovery, you'll hear what happens to two lifelong Star Trek fans who didn't grow up to be great people, but just grew up to be people who love jokes as much as they love Trek. Season four of Star Trek Discovery is here, so listen to our new episodes every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I am your host, Drea Clark. In the studio with me are... Alonzo Duraldi. Andrew T. And today we are talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Alonzo, would you mind providing a brief synopsis? Oh, I'll take a crack at it. So uh, we meet in San Francisco, two best pals, Sean and Katie. Uh, they work as uh, uh, valet parkers for a hotel. They seem to be kind of directionless slackers. And then one day on the bus, an international team of super assassins uh, tries to uh, steal a uh, jade amulet from uh, Sean. And he suddenly goes into berserker mode and is this like very efficient killing machine, much to Katie's surprise turns out both of his parents are like uh the greatest martial artists of all time his mother uh was the 
uh, a, a guardian of this this mythical uh, or, or you know legendary uh, a secret community, and his father possesses the ten rings, which have made him uh, a, a a power in the shadows, who's been overthrowing governments and 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 dominating much of the world for for millennia. But now um, he wants to uh, the the father Shu Wenwu wants Sean, who's actually Shang Chi, and his sister uh, to come back to the fold. To, be, to what he thinks is to rescue their mother. But actually, uh, the voice that uh, the father is hearing is from an intergalactic soul sucker <laughs> who wants to break through the gate and come out and destroy everything. So it is up to Shang-Chi and his sister and even Katie, who now suddenly is really good with a bow and arrow, to save the planet. I would say that I'm shocked at what a concise and yet it fully embracing synopsis, but that's what you do. That is what you bring to the table each and every week, Alonzo. That was Thank solid. Um, I do want to mention, uh, we are speaking about this movie, which came out in the theaters months ago. We're yes. talking about it now, A, because it's something you can watch with your family, and why not? It's Thanksgiving. But also because as people who listen to our show regularly – we're still trying to not focus on movies that are only available theatrically. That's not really accessible to a lot of people right now. So I will say I was waiting for this one and so excited when it finally hit Disney Plus so we could discuss it and get our grubby little hands all over it. We've definitely talked about, I think, all of the Marvel movies at this point. Um, so A good people, chunk, yeah. A good <laughs> chunk. Uh, people are pretty familiar with our takes. But Andrew, I'd love to hear if you want to kick us off your thoughts on Marvel in general. Oh. The MCU, Marvel movies. What do superheroes mean to you? That, wow, that's a good question. I would categorize myself as sort of a casual fan but someone who read a decent number of comic books as a kid. So I feel like I have like unexpected fluency with stuff. Like all of a sudden I'm like, Oh yeah, I do actually remember that. Or I remember this character. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's a little bit the same way uh, my relationship with star Wars is, which is like, it's like surprise. I, I also have the type of memory that's surprisingly completist, but my passion is not particularly deep. <laughs> like what I say about Star Wars and probably would also say about Marvel films is like genuinely, and this is going to sound probably possibly upsetting to people who are very passionate about these movies uh, and either franchise, um, all one franchise under Disney, I guess, um, which is that my favorite Star Wars film and my favorite Marvel film are almost always the last one I watched. Good. <laughs> <laughs> good. Like, it's just like, that was great. It was fine. You know, saw some lightsabers swinging around, saw some like some action. And like, you know, it was a little it was way more lighthearted than a DC movie. Um, And that's all I want out of it. But that being said, I do like specifically sort of hate the DC movies. Um, uh, Just because it's like I, I think they they're just so grim and the kind of pseudo libertarian upness of them <laughs> kind of always rubs me the wrong way, pseudo or overt, I guess. Um, <laughs> I was like, uh, potato, potato. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I'm definitely like team Marvel, but I, 
I'm just like not like super passionate. For instance, um, I will just fully admit uh, for both uh, something that I probably shouldn't both for Marvel fan and Asian reasons. I had not watched Shang-Chi until I was about to do this podcast. Um, so it wasn't like on my list particularly, you mm-hmm. know, um, I didn't see it in the theaters and I, um, you know, I, it's not like I, I, I am against it particularly, but I wasn't like, gotta see it. So you, you've skipped Marvel movies before then, like you don't feel the need to. <sighs> Uh, I think ultimately, currently, the only ones I've skipped are actually relevantly um, Iron Man 3, although I did kind of mm. know about the the Mandarin of it, um, mm. and uh, Black Widow, I think, mm. are the only ones. And both of those were just kind of like for eh reasons, like <laughs> not like I'm against them and I, right. I'm sure I will watch them eventually, but like it wasn't high on my to do list. Black Widow's great. You should check it out. It is fun. Yeah. Funny. yeah, Dave always says, he goes, with these movies, like, I enjoy my time with Spider-Man. And then I forget everything about Spider-Man until the yeah. next Spider-Man movie. And then someone has to remind me what happened in the last Spider-Man right. movie. Yeah. I'll say I I had a lot of fun with this movie. And it was interesting because there's just the smallest elements there to remind you that it's a Marvel movie at all. Yes. Other than the fact that there are um, supernatural components, you have a very clear, like the most all American superhero of them all, maybe, which is ironic because it's a Canadian actor, which I love, <laughs> but like he literally is wearing a letterman's jacket. It's not actually, but it's in the same style as one. He's yeah. just like the guy, he's the new Steve Rogers. But mm-hmm. in terms of the world building, you have Wong from the Stephen Strange universe who comes through and you you we meet him once we've hit Macau and they're like these fighting arenas or whatever. And then he maybe pops up again at the end. But other than that, you know, you're not getting a whole lot of, oh, this is 15 right. days after the blip. Or right. do you know what I mean? Like this is not a world where there's a ton of time being spent like, oh, an Avenger could come by at any moment. They've just like, no, we're going to do our own pocket we're going to acknowledge it in this small way, and then we're just running. We got too much to do. We got too much story, too much action, too many beautifully choreographed sequences. Uh, we can't bog it down with any of these other characters that need a, that need their own storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you, I like the little little dribs and drabs of like somebody mentioning the blip. If you look, there's like mm-hmm. posters up on the wall, the like of, you know, blip anxiety support groups or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, for the most part, they're they're not like, you know, Ant-Man is not sauntering through for for whatever reason, you know. So it, it, it does kind of get to be its own, you know, I, like the, this is kind of the ideal. If you haven't seen much of the Marvel movies, you don't have to have seen a lot of the other ones to really know what's going on here. It is it is discreet. It is its own thing um although weirdly for me i realized because i have been pretty much i have been reviewing all of the marvel movies you know in their original run this is the first one that i watched at home for the first time Uh, so that was odd but it was no less exciting and i was no less into it um i was you know completely focused i was i didn't have any other screens going and you know while yes it would be exciting to get like the big score and all that stuff that you get from the theatrical experience it absolutely plays on you know on the 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 my living room screen and um the the leads are very charming uh uh, Simu Liu I've never watched Kim's Convenience so I had not seen him in anything 
And, you know, Aquafina, I sort of take on a case-by-case basis, but I think here she's she's quite funny. Uh, so the two of them as as people who are like kind of they are as shocked as anyone to discover that they are the leads in a superhero movie i think that's, that's a, fun, a good point that's a fun approach to take to this and then you know because i'm like an old school like hong kong nerd that you're giving me tony lung and michelle yo it's like yes please yeah no and they and they are also given time to shine and given some action moments especially tony i agree with alonzo i loved um it was very unexpected to me the role Aquafina was playing in this because we've seen a lot of movies, superhero or not, where there's like a girlfriend that gets dragged along to something and she's truly such an incidental character. And they're already and this I liked that it's set up that they're kind of they're this platonic but maybe situation which felt very real to me. Like I both believe they could just remain friends, but I also believe that there was affection or attraction there. And it's like hinted at in small ways. Like she sees him with his shirt off and is like, hot shot, but it's not like a whole, like, Oh no, I see you so differently. You know, it's just, a she doesn't small... go full Tex Avery. She does not. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I liked the shape on how unexpected it was. Cause I haven't seen that especially in a movie this big, right? Like normally you have the girl that like he's holding her hand and dragging her through things. And this is instead, they sort of have equal agents. Like it's so silly that she's a, a valet driver or cause she loves to drive, but she gets a whole scene where she gets to drive, right? Like they, they work in some strengths to that. And I was grateful that the, you know, I just, the amount of times I've seen a romantic lead, that's generally the female character be such a, just like, Oh, here, you're here. So he has someone to talk to and we can hear his thoughts <laughs> in this moment. Whereas she was doing a little bit more. And then he was, I mean, he's just a leading man. He's so yeah. charming, so handsome, so confident. But Alonzo is so right. Like this man is like built. He's totally Marvel built. They all are. I know it's like in their contracts. It's so stupid. These people are not allowed bread and only allowed to pick and put down heavy things over and over for months. But with I, that, you still believe him as a real person. You still believe he's living the life he's leading. He's being nice to the people he's being nice to. He's finding him. And it's this world that he's left behind. And that is a gift. Like that, that not every actor can pull that off. And I don't know if people are always aware of those kinds of nuances of what people are bringing across. So, Andrew, what are what were your thoughts on like the the lead characters? I was going to say two things. One is that, like, uh, Simo, I think I'd met him a couple times, but I think before he was cast, even just from being an Asian person in Hollywood. <laughs> and I I will say this. I do think he was always a little ripped. Um, oh, yeah. Oh. oh, he for sure has. He's had the musculature for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's he's one of those dudes that I didn't. I, I wonder. I'm sure. Yeah, they all go through the. um of, <laughs> that of, guy was like, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got yeah. you, Marvel. I've been ready for years. Yeah. Have the abs for the job you want. <laughs> yeah, for the role not, you want. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I, I think, um, yeah, well, I mean, I will say the other side of it is, though it is refreshing to have a female character that who isn't simply a uh, love interest. And this is probably, you know, just that like, 
um, Asian lead nitpicking a little bit, which or Asian male lead, which is that like, so, I mean, I, I guess it's good that like Tony Leung has like a romantic drive and like, you know, love on screen. Um, so it isn't sort of an indictment or not indictment a comment on all Asian men, but it is a little bit of that. Like, um, uh, was it cradle to the grave? Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Romeo must die. Oh, Romeo must die. Romeo yes. must die. Yes. 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 yes, yes. Which is like, like the test audiences hated when, um, Jet Li and Aaliyah kissed at the end of the first, um, you know, the, a first yeah. cut of that movie. So they made them buddies. And so there is always that kind of rawness, I think, especially oh. with Asian American dudes of like, sure, sure. It's, it's cool. That See, and that didn't occur to me because when I watched it, I was like, well, he is so outside of her league. So do you know what I mean? Like if it yeah. had been the, if she had been like just a smoke show, yeah, I yeah. might've, and not to say you're incorrect. It just hadn't occurred to me because I was like, oh, I know who would have the power in this dynamic. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it, it is just a thing where you're like, you know, Chris Evans has like a evident yeah. and clear yeah. romantic right. drive from the jump. You know, um, Robert Downey Jr. has a clear and evident romantic foil yeah. from the jump. And it is like a little like, come on. I mean, clearly he fucks, but like they're like... <laughs> They're they're Some wary of like about to see it. putting putting that on screen in the same way or or whatever. I mean, thankfully there is that like very. Um, I guess it's the cold open the the scene the where where wushu becomes dance becomes yeah. seduction. Yes. I guess. I want to shout out the director, my sweet sweet buddy Destin Daniel Cretton, who did this. Um, he's done other films. I don't know if we've spoken about them. Um, Short Term 12, The Glass mm -hmm. Castle, Just Mercy. But what Destin brings to the table, again, in terms of talking about what I think people don't always and hopefully shouldn't see. It's like you don't want to see how the sausage is being made and you don't want to be so aware of the work that's doing. But the idea of pulling off a scene like that one, like uh, a fight scene that becomes a choreographed dance of seduction. And when you layer on it, there's a lot in there that's a trope that I hate, which is, oh, he's not bad. He's just misunderstood. Like, we just saw that dude. He, like, killed. He, do you know what I mean? He let his <laughs> five dudes in the truck die 10 minutes before this seduction dance. But now we're like, oh, she's into it. So I guess it's okay. Normally, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it takes yes. like extra work for me to overcome that hurdle. And the idea that that moment and that dance, like you're following along, that is story that's being told toward through movement, through camera work, through choreography and through performance. And that's that's a great to me. That's a like it's a great director skill set. You don't just have. I think I'm sure we can imagine the heavy handed Zack Snyderness of that exact <laughs> scene. Right. Of just like. It would become bloody somehow. I don't know, but there's 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 a lot in this movie that I thought had that same attention to to detail. There's a humane understanding of of the interactions of people and the importance of small moments and of glances and taking the time for those in something in the scope of a movie like this. I think is is crucial, yeah. but doesn't always happen. It's it's tough because it's like they and this is probably more in the writing, but like the high wire act with Tony Leung is 
as far as like sympathy, but not oh, because it is like sure. that that those glances and that love, which I think is on the screen, does so much heavy lifting. Because so much, it's like the blood of thousands on his I, hands. I, oh, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like yeah. he has done all these horrific things for centuries, yeah. and yet this one woman that we immediately are like, oh, we like her. Yeah. Oh, she likes him. He must be redeemable. Yeah. That's what I mean. The fact there's yeah. so much work being done there. It's such and a I find whip that, that you're like, yeah. yeah. It's just like, because you have to have that work, yeah. or the whole thing doesn't work. Or you're like, yeah. Why do they have children? And then, and then, yeah. then he turns evil again immediately. You also need it to work because at the end, when there's a sort of forgiveness, redemption, like the possibility of any of that, it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So much of this story requires a real deft handling of yeah. things that are much more nuanced than you would typically be juggling in this kind of movie. I think that thing that makes it work is that like, it, it you feel like it's fine and it, it is ultimately a little bit like a wait a minute darth vader isn't clean just because he saved his son it's the same it's sort of the same thing yeah, where yeah. like hold on <laughs> like you're but, still you still committed genocide at some point in there yeah, yeah. you killed a bunch of children darth vader and and, <laughs> and blew up a planet Tony Lowe, yeah so so <laughs> i think there's there's probably a thing where you're like but I, th- I guess that is like the the powerful, you know, directing is like it's not until you, you know, you've shut the movie off or you walked out of the theater and you're like, hold this, hold on a second, <laughs> wait <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, you know, I think that you know, Cretton's gift in films like Short Term Twelve is that he can he can pivot the emotion of a scene. I think he's also really good with large ensembles, which obviously he's dealing with here. Um, you know, but you know, I think this movie. His skills also sort of marry to the kind of the Marvel factory of what you're going to expect. And so, you know, you're going to get like big fight at the beginning, big fight at the middle, big fight at the end. Uh, But they're all very different and they're all really compelling. I mean, that whole bus scene is great. And just like, again, the the choreography is extraordinary, given you're dealing with an, an enclosed moving space, you know. And then the end is, of course, this like CG extravaganza with like, you know, soul sucking dragons and stuff. But even that is, you know, again, the kind of thing that Snyder doesn't necessarily always do right, which is, you know, where everyone is in relation to everyone else. And you understand what the direct stakes are of each moment in terms of who is coming through the gate and what monster has to be stopped and who's standing where, like all these logistical things that, that can be very easy for filmmakers to gloss over. Uh, he and the team do a really good job of, of pinpointing all those details. So we absolutely know what's going on and why and why it matters. That's a great point. I think that the geography of space, uh, you know, one of the sexiest things people can talk about. (laughs) It's not mentioned a lot, but it is difficult to put through. So for our final reviews of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, we're going to vote. Our ranking, of course, is would you you screen it? This is what we tell other people. Would you screen it? Would you stream it? Or would you skip it? Um, Alonzo, how about you go first to show him how it's done? Uh, I'm absolutely a screen it. Um, if I get the chance to screen it, I certainly will. Uh, but even at home, if you are watching on a Disney Plus the way I did, it is a full experience and exciting and gives you the beats that you want from a Marvel movie, but does so in a corner of the Marvel Universe that has been woefully unexplored until now. Uh, it, it really works as an origin story. I'm dying to see how these characters start mixing it up with... 
you know, the Falcon and whoever the heck else in these other movies. So I, I'm on board for all of it. Nice. Andrew, how about you? I think, I guess uh, I will weasel a little bit and say stream it partially because clearly that's exactly what my point of view on the movie from the jump was. But also actually I, I will say um, this is like, I think also sort of that specific experience of this type of the, the type of like wushu movie that this is sort of like based on, which is like, I think for American audiences, you're supposed to you're supposed to watch it on VHS. So like <laughs> streaming it is arguably superior to watching it on a big screen. I know, you know, maybe Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon changed that vibe for people. You should watch but, it on a UHF channel on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. With Kung, Kung Fu theater bumpers going into the commercials. Kind of. I think <laughs> maybe that is actually true. <laughs> I like that. That's the most genial stream it we've ever had. Yeah. Um, I'm a screen it and I will definitely, I really want so many movies from this year to be re-released so I can see them on a big screen. Just me. But yeah, I dug the hell out of this. I thought it was really fun. It clipped along. And unlike so many action movies, superhero or otherwise, this action was so beautifully handled. Each set piece was different than the next. They're in small spaces, they're in big spaces, they're trained fighters, they're just people throwing things. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. That was my Molly Shannon and it was not good. All right, we are going to be back after a short break. All right, we have a new sponsor we're interested to tell you about. You've probably heard of microdosing. If you haven't, we can introduce you to a search portal so you can look it up. Um, microdose gummies have microdoses of THC and they just released six flavors of higher THC gummies based on sativa, indica, and hybrid strains. Guess what? because it's hemp-derived THE, they're available nationwide. You can get them everywhere and find them on microdosegummies.com. Microdose is different from other hemp products because it contains exactly what it sounds like, microdoses of THC, in balance with cannabinoids like CBD and CBG. This way you can eat just one microdose and feel a nice mood lift from the THC without getting high. There's a reason that microdosing is becoming so popular for health and wellness. If you want to learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdosegummies.com and get them delivered to your door. To get free shipping and 30% off your first order, use code MAXFILM. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdosegummies.com and code M-A-X-F-I-L-M. Hi, it's Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun. It's the Thanksgiving season, and I want to take this opportunity to thank you, the members of Maximum Fun. This Max Fun Drive, your generosity and your love of pins, helped us raise over $90,000 to help bridge the digital divide. Families without internet access struggle to do things that the rest of us might take for granted, especially during COVID. Going to school, applying for jobs, finding medical care. Your donations help the nonprofit Everyone On. They provide equipment, services, and training to get people online so they can access opportunity. You can find out more about the great work Everyone On does at everyoneon.org. 
Thanks for supporting Maximum Fun. Thanks for supporting everyone on. And thanks for being awesome people who want to do good in the world. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I am your host, Drea Clark. In the studio with me are... Alonzo Duraldi. And Andrew T. And as you know, it is the holiday season. And it's that time again where we plug Alonzo in and he lights up like a Christmas tree. That's right. It is the Christmas Zaddy Christmas Movie Minute. As everyone knows, Alonzo gets one hot minute to discuss every Christmas movie he saw this past week. It will be an obscene amount of Christmas movies. Alonzo, are you ready? I am. Okay, so uh, Hallmark, Nantucket Noel, probably one of the worst ones they've ever done. Certainly the worst, worst ones from this year. Uh, Christmas Together with You in Five More Minutes, not bad, but kind of the same plot. I don't know why they aired them both on a Saturday night. And then A Kiss Before Christmas, it's sort of reverse family man, but with people from Desperate Housewives, uh, kind of whatever. Uh, a Snowy Christmas and Snowed In for Christmas, those are actually two different movies. They both aired on Up. They're both super mediocre, even by Up standards. I'm expecting better from them later in the season. Uh, candy-coated Christmas is a Discovery Plus trying to get in the game with a cameo from the Pioneer Woman. No good, no thank you. Uh, Baking Spirits Bright on Lifetime, actually kind of charming. And um, centering on uh, uh, an Indian American family and a, a black advertising consultant, so definitely upping the diversity game and a very charming uh, uh, protagonist. The one to check out is Christmas Flow on Netflix. It's a series about a, 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 a misogynist rapper and a journalist who falls in love with him, and it's a Christmas. Alonzo, <laughs> you watch so many movies <laughs> and they all have Christmas in them. So they, many Christmas they movies. They do. Oh, you're so good at that. Um, I'm wondering, do you have any kind of new book related to all the Christmas movies that you watch that people could read? Crazily enough, and given that it's gift giving season, I do. Uh, it is oh. called I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies. I wrote it with the host of the Deck the Hallmark podcast. We're very funny, and the book is very funny, and it is them talking about uh, 116, I think, Hallmark Christmas titles, along with recipes for throwing a great uh, Hallmark viewing party, um, you know, a bingo card, and all kinds of other fun shenanigans. You'll want to pick that up. For people in your life who love Hallmark movies, people who hate Hallmark movies, they will both be amused and entertained by this book i'll be home for christmas movies it's available wherever books are sold now it is time for staff picks it can be any movie in the whole wide world alonso why don't you start so, um, you know, this is a film that's actually just opening in New York and Los Angeles, and it's just in theaters. So if you need to wait on it, obviously do. But I'm going to recommend it because it is currently uh, uh, screening uh, exclusively in 70 millimeter. And if you can see it that way, you should. And I'm talking about Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza, uh, which is his uh, look back at life in the San Fernando Valley of the early 1970s. Uh, technically, he was three years old during the the uh, events of this film, so it's not a first-hand memory per se, uh, but it is a lovely film uh, starring uh, Alana Haim and all the Haims, uh, not just the three sisters, but their parents, play their parents, uh, and Cooper Hoffman, who is the son of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, the two of them play a, a sort of mismatched couple going through, um, you know, a bit of a coming of age and, and other things that are happening. Uh, 
it, it is one of the best films I've seen this year. It's one that I didn't want to end. Uh, it will be opening around the country on Christmas. But if you happen to be in New York and Los Angeles, if you happen to feel safe and confident by going into theaters, if you can see it in 70 millimeter, you ought to should. That's is is one Heim sister going to be more famous than the others? I feel like Weird, we, right? we may have yeah. a breakout Heim here. Yes. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Troubling. Let's not use that term. Troubling to consider. <laughs> Breakout yeah. Heim just does not sound right to me. I don't feel good about that. Um, Andrew, how about you? What kind of staff um, pick you got up your sleeves? My mine is this is the first movie I watched after uh, the beginning of the novel coronavirus, COVID nineteen, last March. Um, Familiar, heard of it. And I was at home thinking I should. This is, I believe we were still in the, this will be over soon and we should take this short break to better ourselves. Right. Um, it was like a period. church lock-in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, um, this is sort of relevant to if, if you've, if you enjoyed the San Francisco uh, Chinese American experience, um, I watched Chan is Missing by Wayne Ooh. Wang, um, which is like probably to, to the uh, listeners of this pod, if they haven't seen it, it it'll feel most like a, a slacker probably uh, type situation it's a, it's a little bit of a kind of like very loose vignette like there's a little bit of a narrative drive but it's mostly just like cool chinese dudes in the 80s hanging out all around the bay area um yeah that's lots of love it's really <laughs> it really and it, it has been the source of a lot of hair hair inspo for yours truly so you um, all can't see it but he really has such glorious. good hair it's i mean i'm Oh, I was going to say I'm in a dream of it, but that, sorry, Andrew. No, that that's all right. Sound, <laughs> that's all that right. That sounds foreboding. That's my, it's my best feature. I, I'll take it. <laughs> um, all right. I have a staff pick that is also one of the best films that I've seen this year. It's coming out this weekend, probably in a smaller market and going soon. It is called Drive My Car. It's Japan's entry into the Oscars for the... Um, foreign film uh, inter category. international films they've changed it again yeah. i was like the international category it's directed by ryusuke hamaguchi but it is based on a short story um written by haruki murakami that many people are probably familiar with he's a brilliant writer and it is such an incredible um it's a based on a short story and it's an over two hour two and a half hour film and it is one of those Oh, that you're like, oh, movies. This is so I'm in it. I've met this world and these characters and they're doing something in this space that's so unexpected and wonderful. And anyway, I highly recommend it. Drive my car. Check it out. All right. Andrew, Woo! thank you so much for coming here and bringing your hair. Thanks and for having me. And charm. <laughs> this oh was delightful. If anybody was going to do the ahem heavy lifting where Iffy's absence created a vacuum. It was indeed you. So thank you. Is there anything that you want to plug? Oh, uh, no. I mean, just, you know, listen to, to Yo, Is This Racist? Oh, I will say uh, this is probably a step too far, but we just got merch uh, after having Ooh. gone independent. So I'm really happy with the merch. Uh, I'll just say suboptimalpods.com slash merch and up for sale is one of the dumbest t-shirts that has ever existed and i'm very proud of it and i'll leave it at that <laughs> oh, that's Bravo. kind of pride we like to uh encourage here 
dumb pride our favorite <laughs> kind well it was a delight to have you um now if anyone is listening has a comment or suggestion about this week's show please do so you can tweet at us at maximum underscore film our facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com slash group slash maximum film or you can send us an email at maximumfilm at maximumfun.org. Our sweet baby producer is Casey O'Brien. Our sweet grown-up senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.